You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. It's always great to be with you guys, and uh, I was thinking this morning, I I grew up going to a church that every week we would take like a, it was almost like halftime in the service, and uh, and as an introvert, people think I'm don't believe me when I tell them I'm an introvert, but I actually am. And uh, you're just family. Like, you're not introverted from your own family, right? So, although sometimes they're like, hey, I need a break from you people, my family, you know. But uh, anyway, uh, and I hated this halftime with the church because we would always, like, stop and like, okay, everybody turn around and shake hands with the people around you. And as an introvert, that was just like, that was like painful. If there was a purgatory, that was it for sure. And so... <laughs> I vow never, like, I just, you would have to get other pastors to lead if we were ever going to do that at River. Because I'm just like, we do our friendliness before we do it after, but not at this time, you know, not forced friendliness. So anyway, so I said all that to say this. I never want to put, like, our, especially our new guests on the spot. We don't have people raise hands and all of that. But I do kind of, to kind of make a point, I do kind of want to go out a little bit on a limb this morning. All right, so... If you are, have been to River, like you started coming to River since really January of this year, would you raise your hand? So like if you are that new to River, put your, put your hands up. Hi, some of you are not putting your hands up. That's okay. I will not call you out. I'll know who you are. I will, follow, will hunt you down. But there's just so many new families and new faces at River, and I just kind of wanted you guys to kind of see that and get a feel for that. Well, I, I have only, how many of you, I will ask you to raise your hand this time. I do a little bit. We're, we, we are a semi-hand-raising church, not really the <laughs> worship hand. It would be, it's okay if you raise your hands when you're worship. Again, I'm more introverted. I kind of don't, I'm not this expressive. Woohoo! You know, at least not for worship. I do more of the woohoo inside than the outside. But anyway, so how many of you have ever been on a cruise? How many of you have ever been on a, a cruise ship? Some of you are like looking around. See, honey, I told you we should be going, right? <laughs> You know, I've been on one, and I will probably never go on another one again because I'm seasick, and I didn't like the feeling that you're walking down the hall and you speed up and you slow down and you speed up, and anyway, I didn't enjoy that. But I had never experienced it before, but it's kind of like airlines. So you get on this cruise ship, and like, it's a mandatory thing, you know, like right off the bat, before you kind of settle in for whatever you're doing, they make you go down to kind of your area, and they divide the ship up, and you're supposed to go. Like, if the ship is going down, they want you to know what to do. So they make sure they pull out the life jackets and show you how to put them on and know where you're supposed to go for the lifeboats and all of that, just in case, you know, something happens that you need to be prepared for the trip that you're about to, to take. In many ways, that's what Proverbs is all about. Proverbs is essentially God telling us you need to be prepared for the life that you're about to live. There's some things in here that can save your life. There's some things in here that are really important. Now, to be honest with you, when I was on the cruise ship, I was just like, why do I have to bother with this? I mean, it's just like you when you're on the plane. You all sleep through the thing, and today you can even, you know, they don't even let you watch the TV thing in the back of the chairs because they turn it off, you know, and they make you watch the, the how to do the life jacket and oxygen mask. I, I tend to snooze through those things. There is a temptation for all of us to kind of get the general idea, but to kind of, if we're not careful, to kind of snooze through some of the things with Proverbs but we should do it at our own risk. Jesus told the story. 
And you, if you were familiar with the Bible, you remember it well. Remember the story that he told about the, the man who built his house on the rock and was careful to build it on a good foundation? It's a picture, it's a metaphor of life, that he built his life on things that are solid, that are worthwhile, that can weather a storm. And then compared to the foolish one who built the, his house upon the, the sand, and that was something, a foundation that was not sure because the storm is coming and the storms of life are going to come and test what we have built our life on. You see, the storms and the challenges that we go through are revealers of the foundation that we have built on which we've built our life. And Proverbs is all about that foundation. It is telling us over and over and over again. In fact, the first four chapters of Proverbs are really repetitive when you read through them. And it, it really is kind of not a compliment because God is kind of reminding us that we're really thick and we don't get things the first time. And it takes a little while to like hear it again and again and again. And so this morning we're going to see that God is telling us that guys... Wisdom for your life and pursuing God in your life is absolutely foundational. If you pursue Him and pursue that in your life, you will be blessed and will help you so much. We'll talk about those blessings this morning. But if not, it will bring disaster and bring dis destruction in your life. So I, wanna, I want us to talk this morning about what the blessed life looks like. Not the best life, not your best life. That's kind of an idea that you just kind of do whatever you want and live creatively and do your best thing in this world. Actually, God tells us we should live and pursue the blessed life, the one that has His blessing upon us in His hands. So read with me, if you would, in Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, give me a second to get there. I thought I was there already, but apparently I wasn't. All right, Proverbs 3. Bible says this, starting in verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit is better than gold. Wisdom is a better investment, guys, than the stock market. Right now, people are, you know, investors, oh, should you buy, should you sell, what are you doing, recession and all of that. And those of you near retirement, you're in retirement, you're like, oh, what do we do with our, you know, if you've got your money there, and people are buying silver and gold. And the Bible says wisdom is an even better investment. It's better than anything that money can buy in our life. She is more precious, in verse 15, than jewels. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. Nothing. No TV ad, no car that the dealership can show you, nothing that we could ever see or want can compare to wisdom. Long life is in her hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast, hold on to her, are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. Even God relies on and uses wisdom, it's telling us. And by, in verse 20, by His knowledge, the deeps, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. I want you to notice that blessing comes through wisdom. I've not met a person yet in my life, and I, 
I don't know how many thousands of people I've met that you will meet in your life, but I've yet to meet somebody that doesn't want their life to be blessed. We want that. We usually want better than what we've got. Pretty much all of us, we want always a little bit better. We want our life blessed. And the Bible is telling us the pathway, the, the secret recipe, if you will, the foundation to the blessing in our life is pursuing God and His wisdom, the wisdom that comes ultimately for God. And as I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, that that wisdom is really us pursuing Jesus, that He is that wisdom that we need in our life. And that blessing comes from Him. That it's more valuable, it's a better investment than silver and gold. It will do you more good in your life than what money can buy. In fact, it, it will provide for you throughout your life when you pursue and grab wisdom. It will take care of you like nothing else possibly can. You know, most parents want their kids to do well in school so they can, you know, ultimately, whether they go vocationally or on to college or do something else, but to do well in life and earn a living and, and live a, a happy, effective, productive life. That's kind of the American dream, if you will, in a nutshell. And yet the Bible tells us that our, our drive should be in this life should be far more than just, you know, the pathways to having a good life, the pathways to having the provision that we need in life, and that wisdom that brings tremendous blessing into our world. In fact, it, it makes us a beautiful person. The Bible says that it, it's so valuable that it's more precious than jewels in our life. You know, the, the jewels that we would wear, or I don't wear jewels, but those of you that do wear jewels, you know, that you wear them to adorn and to beautify yourself. That, that wisdom, when we receive it into our life, it pays dividends to us throughout our life. And it beautifies our soul. You know, beauty is a big business, is it not? We were driving, my boys and I, after the men's breakfast yesterday, and we noticed uh, that there were two beauty salons right next door. And the kind of the comment was like, wow, there's two side by side. And I said, oh, do not underestimate my sons, my young Padawan learners, you know, my young men, uh, the prowess of, you know, of beauty salons and how much money and how important that is uh, to a certain uh, gender in our world around us, especially. And the Bible says, though, that the beauty that wisdom gives us is a beauty that is for us. It is in our soul, if you will. It makes us beautiful. So be careful, because the danger is for all of us to say, oh yeah, wisdom's good. Yeah, I want wisdom. I want to be a wise person and do that. But this is, this is a wisdom that you and I must seek after, that we have to hold on to, that we must pursue and diligently lean into our life. And to be real honest with you, most of us struggle to do that well. We don't do that well in life. We don't stick with New Year's resolutions well. We don't stick with all of our plans that we're going to make. And there's probably not a weekend that goes by that I don't have something that I'd like to get done on that list. And I've learned it usually ends up being a pretty short list. And I still don't get done in the discipline to get all of that done. We just don't live that way. And so... The Bible is telling us over and over again that we should see the value of this so much because this is a lifelong process. 
This is for the young couple just getting married, saying, how are we going to build our life and make it together and not end up shipwrecked or in a train wreck later on? This is for people who are trying to figure out, and even in the Middle Ages, like, okay, I'm not the clueless, you know, new young adult anymore, but how do I navigate and change through life? Because at every stage of life, there's something new. There's a new thing that you're experiencing that you're having to go through and work through that, frankly, you weren't prepared for and didn't get explained how to do. And so we have to lean into this, into our, into our, our world. And from what I can see, most of us, when we receive wisdom or people are trying to help us give us advice, Sometimes we don't need that advice, right? Like, seriously, that's a really bad idea. Why would you ever think I should do that? You know, sometimes we have that friend that tells us those kinds of things. But why do people ignore wisdom, good advice? Why do you and I sometimes ignore good counsel? From what I can tell, it's only three or four things, two or three things. I mean, there's another one that you think of. But one, sometimes we're just stubborn. Any of you very stubborn? Don't admit to it. It's bad for your reputation. Sometimes people are nice stubborn. They can be really stubborn with a smile and be the sweetest person in the world and just be so, my goodness, stubborn. Oh, my goodness. Like, you're stubborn with a smile. And then sometimes people are just mean and nasty stubborn. Like, whoa, you're just, what is wrong with you? Like, there's, but it's all kinds of stubborn, right? It's just like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to listen. I may be wrong, but I think if you peel below the stubbornness, it just don't want to do what somebody recommends, it's kind of clearly obvious. It's usually underneath there's a pridefulness that they either don't like to be told what to do or don't want to be, you know, to give in to somebody else who they might think is smarter or have advice, and they don't do it. That's one reason why I think people don't, we don't lean into wisdom. Another reason is sometimes we just think that we know better, which is pride too. And sometimes we just want to do it a certain way because we think that is a fast track to blessing. That's what, as a pastor and as a father and as a Christian man trying to pursue Jesus, that's what scares me the most about this. Is I find in my life, I want shortcuts, right? I want to know the fastest way to get somewhere. I want to know what's going to be the less pain. I want the least amount of work I have to do. I want to know how to get there. I want the little life hacks, right? Everything in our world funnels to just make it easy, cheaper, faster, shorter, painless for us, right? That is not Proverbs. That is not this chat book. That is not what this is all about. This is all about hard blood, sweat, and tears leaning in and adding wisdom to your life. God is taking these first four chapters, telling us how important wisdom is, giving us a few little reasons why it's important, so that we will pay attention from chapters 5 all the way through chapter 30 and 31. He wants, to, he wants us to dial in over and over and over and over again, value that so much. He's really trying to help us to get our attention this morning. And to kind of put a focus on that, he jumps and he tells us that when he made the world, that he even used wisdom. You see, he didn't change the subject between verses 18 and 19. The Bible says that the, even God himself, the Lord by wisdom, founded the earth. And by understanding, he established 
the heavens. What God is telling us there, we should step back and look at the world around us and say, that is absolutely amazing. I don't know how you could drive around today in, in the mountains and the beauty that's around us and not be in awe. I mean, it's just it's the trees, when they're changing their colors, it's almost like fireworks captured in a moment to me. You know, it's just, they're just stunning. It's just amazing that we would serve a God who cares not just about the practical reality needs, but would also care about the beauty and the aesthetics and give us something to enjoy even you know, as we head into the, the, to the, the, the cold, dark winter. I, was, uh, uh, I, I hunt with my kids, and I don't hunt my kids. I hunt with my kids. <laughs> Sometimes I've wanted to hunt my kids, truth be known. But anyway, being fun with you guys. But I was sitting out 20 feet up in the tree, and uh, I was getting kind of towards sunset. I noticed it was getting a little cold and, you know, a little time of year. And I noticed this dragonfly came and landed just two feet next to me. And, he, and it landed right up on a little branch there. Green matched the leaves and just kind of settled in. I thought, it's going to spend the night there. I had never once in my life ever thought about what dragonflies did at night. Have you? Probably not. And I could tell it was kind of like cleaning itself up, kind of like, you know, ending the long day, whatever it had. And so I did like any person. I'm like, do dragonflies sleep? I'm like, what's this thing going to do? And so I did, you know, I Googled it like you would have. Do dragonflies sleep? And sure enough, they don't sleep, but they'll go into a mini hibernation. A lot of animals do. It's the coolest thing. They will lower their, their, allow their body temperature to be lowered and, uh, and so conserve all of that energy. And it'll re I'm like, that is amazing. You see, what the Bible's telling us is, is that we should treasure wisdom so much that God himself valued it. And when we look at the world around us, it's made in wisdom. And if you and I want to do any little thing in this world and not pursue wisdom, we are kidding ourselves. Like, we are absolutely kidding ourselves if we think we can do anything with, apart from God and pursuing His wisdom. And it's a subtle reminder to say the whole world works in wisdom, and if you're not pursuing wisdom, you're kind of working across the grain. You are swimming upstream. You're going the wrong direction because this whole world, the way God spun this world and created and made it, is made to work in a certain way. And if you are not pursuing wisdom, you're like that crazy driver going the wrong way on a one-way road. You're going against the grain. And so many people are wondering why they've run into a head-on crash with the world. Why is this so hard? Why is everything seeming to be against me? And a lot of times, it's because they've not pursued the wisdom in their life, and they're going against the very things that God set in motion for their life. We see that in our culture all over the place, whether it be sexuality, we see it in all just kinds of things, going against the grain of what God has for us. So wisdom, a blessing in our life, comes through wisdom. Now let's talk about some of the specific blessings. The Bible says in verse 21, it says this, My son, do not lose sight of these. Pay attention, so you notice how over and over and over again, keep sound wisdom and discretion. Hold on to it. Value it. And here's what it does. It will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. It will create a, a life. It gives you life. We are born in this world spiritually dead, the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is nothing short of speaking of the gospel that you and I spiritually, as we are in this world, are born into this world as sinners and separated from God. And we're born spiritually dead, but as we pursue the wisdom and the wisdom that comes through Jesus Christ and dying on the cross for our sin and pursuing His righteousness, we get life. We become alive spiritually. And we experience that. And we experience the God of heaven in our soul now. And we experience that life eternally forever. So it gives us life when we pursue this. When we pursue this, it makes us beautiful. I talked about that a minute ago. It's an adornment for our neck. It it beautifies our soul. You ever met somebody that's just a beautiful soul? It just somebody that just you just I mean they're just radiant. Not you know they're always just. It's not so much just that they're happy, but just you see goodness and just a, a joy and a love and just something about them. They are people that have pursued the wisdom of God in their life, and it gives us a security along the way. Verse twenty three. Pursuing this, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. You will lie down. You will not be afraid. You will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. How often when you and I are struggling and fearful and walking through the challenges of life and how often our sleep is disrupted. Sometimes that's going to naturally happen, but sometimes it happens needlessly. And the Bible says as we pursue wisdom, there is a secu- the bless- one of the blessings that God brings into our life is there is a security that settles into our soul that even helps us just rest better, that helps us experience the protection of God in our life, that we don't have to be afraid, we don't have to experience the anxiety of what are we going to do, and what happens, and the what-ifs, and the all the worst case scenarios and all of those things. Does that mean that we can live an an anxiety-free life? Absolutely not. That's a part of our, our human experience. But it does mean that when we pursue God and our life is built on that foundation, that when the storm hits, that our life has been built upon Jesus and upon God that's able to weather some pretty horrific things some pretty difficult things. I'm astounded at how often, and we don't cherry pick these passages, but how often the Bible speaks to fear and worry and anxiety and how often we're to just simply put our trust and our hope in God. And that's as we pursue wisdom. It's what it creates in our life. It creates such a a blessing in the middle of it. I miss the peace and the pleasantness that was earlier on, but there's a a peace and a, 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 a... a security, a settledness, a blessing of life that comes when we build our life upon the rock of Jesus Christ. When we pursue that wisdom, and that's more important to us, that's what we get. I don't know about you, but I would rather have peace and security and safety and life and joy and all of those things far more than I would that next car. Far more than I would that next item. Far more than I would all kinds of things in this world. I would, I would live in a cardboard box if I could stay warm and dry. 
to have, if that's what it took to have peace and security and safety and all those things. The crazy thing is, is we, I read it a minute ago, we didn't talk about it, but when we pursue that wisdom, we receive that. And because we're pursuing wisdom, there is a financial blessing that God takes care of us in the middle of those things. So there is such a, a blessing in that. Now, whenever I fly, have you ever been th flown before and hit turbulence? I mean, really bad turbulence. I mean, the kind of just, you know, just, oh my goodness. Turbulence is normal in a plane. Kind of, it, some people really freaks them out and it kind of jumps to me. I've learned, I've learned just to not think as much. Ignorance really is bliss. So I don't sit there and think about all the things that could happen and how many thousands of feet I'm in the air and all the weirdness because that just does not help me whatsoever. So I just, you know, and God I trust and in my pilot, okay, you know, and all the engineers and the mechanics, I'm like, okay, I'm put my hope and trust in you. And on we go. But turbulence, you know, pilots can usually get above it or get around it, but sometimes they have to go through it. All of us experience that turbulence in our life. And I think when it comes to us as people, there are two kinds of turbulences. One is a self-afflicted turbulence, and another is just the turbulence of life because you're living a human life in a sinful, messed up world where lots of bad things happen. That's a reality. That turbulence, you and I have a tremendous hope and a confidence to go through. And we all go through those things. And some of those things are severe and they're hard and they're life-altering and they're difficult. But even in the middle of that, God walks through us, with us through that. But sometimes the turbulence we go through life is because we have not built our house on the rock. We have not built... Maybe we've built a good part of our house on the rock, but we've put on a couple of additions over here that are floating in the sand. And so it doesn't level our home, but it sure takes out a chunk of our life. And we thought it was okay, because, you know, I got most of it founded over here. It's just a little addition. I'm just going to put this. But it's not built on the things that God said. And the turbulence that comes when that storm hits, it's self-afflicted. It's turbulence that we've brought onto ourselves. Let me give you just a, a simple example. I, I hesitate as a pastor to bring specific examples because there's so many nuances and things. So I try to pick some easy ones that hopefully all make sense. But we all know that the Bible says that we should you know, give ourselves physically to our spouses and only our spouses in the covenant marriage of a man and a woman. That's where we should be physically. And when we don't do that, the Bible calls that sin. When we don't do that, we're not pursuing wisdom. When we don't do that, we're building our house on sand and not on the foundation of God. And so when those things happen, you know, let's, let's take a stereotypical person, a, 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 either a teen girl or a young woman or a young, young adult, even a young man. matters not whether it's a man or a woman. When those individuals have given themselves to somebody physically, kind of given their heart and physically are there, and when there's a breakup in that relationship, it's devastating to those individuals. And oftentimes they blame the other person for hurting them and doing them wrong, or maybe cheating on them, or going somewhere else, or doing something else. And yet, and though that is bad, and they didn't deserve that. 
but it's also a self-inflicted turbulence where you've built your house on some things that weren't good. And because of it, you kind of, like we talked about last week, it's like staying at the motel and you open the door and said, come on in, you know, you go to bed and just leave the door open to anything come into your life. And so often we do all kinds of things that we experience hurt and pain that we blame other people for around us, but actually the problem is that we did something wrong ourselves. There was a couple of guys who recently uh, got caught cheating in a fishing tournament and uh, in Erie. I don't know if you saw the article or not, but they were, it was a walleye fishing tournament. And if you don't know a walleye, they're kind of a nice, uh, awesome game fish. But anyway, they caught like five of them. And among the five fish, and they weigh them, and it's, there's like $30,000 to be won. So, I mean, you've got to be a good fisherman. Like, there's some people are professional fishermen and women or whatever the politically correct term is. And, and so they caught these five fish, and they go weigh them in, and, you know, whoever has the most, the boat that has the most fish or whatever, the most weight wins, and they get like a $30,000 purse. And they took eight one-pound weights and force-fed them into the fish. And then they took like fish fillets like down in there because I guess they probably like rattled. I mean, you know, just like, that's just a lot. And they got caught. And like so many people when they got caught, they got mad. And even as they drove away, and it's pro it ought to be legalities, right? I mean, there's a $30,000 purse on the line and all kinds of things. And they've been winning all kinds of tournaments and it was a big, big deal. But as they drove away, they gave the people that caught them the finger. They were all mad about all the turbulence in their life. And it's just like, guys, like, you did this yourself. You're being held accountable. It's your problem, not somebody else's. But how often do we all build our life doing things that are not wise, and we blame the other people in our life or the authority or whatever in our life, our parents or whatever. And the Bible says, don't do it. I'm going to give you the third thing. I'm going to do it quickly. I'm going to wrap this up. Not only does wisdom, blessing comes from living a, a wise life and pursuing Jesus, and there's a lot of specific blessings, but it even comes to where we end up being a blessing to our neighbor, that we're blessed as we become a blessing to our neighbor. Look at verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when uh, you... Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Like, don't say, come back tomorrow, I'll give it to you when you got it right now. It goes on, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he's done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence or do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. In other words, when you really pursue wisdom... You don't care what kind of money your neighbor makes. You don't care what kind of amazing things they got. You don't become envious because you pursued wisdom, because you pursued God in your life and the wisdom of God in your life and to build your life upon the truths and the teaching of God's Word. You value something else. Your treasures are completely in a different place. And part of that overflow blessing is, is it makes us great neighbors. It means that we are a blessing to those around us. When we see that our neighbor, either literally the person living next door or the person in the, the office across the hall or literally the next cubicle over or the person working next to you, that when it's in our power to do good to them, we do it. And then when they have need of us and we're able to meet that need, 
We don't withhold it. We don't play games. We don't go, oh, well, come back tomorrow. I might give it to you. We, we do it. And we don't get cranky at people when they meant well to us just because we didn't like the things that they did. And we don't kind of pick a fight with them, if you will. Wisdom says that we pursue those relationships with God in a purity. And so as we think about this, this is giving us how you and I should build our life upon the words of God and our relationship with Him and how we relate to other people in the world around us. So a couple of things for you to think about. I want you to think about your life today. Are you pursuing wisdom as much as you should? Are you pursuing actively? Do you value it in your life to the degree that you ought to? Or are you pursuing other things? Have you kind of tabled that, if you will? Put it aside and value other things more important in, in your life. Folks, I know in my life, there are moments where I'm pursuing that and I'm pursuing God and pursuing wisdom and I could say, absolutely. And then there's times in my life where I have coasted and where I've wanted to pursue other things. It's not that I turned my back on God. It's not that I rejected God. I just kind of slightly tipped the scales. And I just kind of, you know, shifted gears a little bit. Remember when vehicles used to have actual gear knobs and you were in control when it shifted? You know, I just kind of shift a little bit. Keep on going. So where are you? What are you genuinely pursuing? Men in the room, it's easy for us to pursue our careers and to make that identity and our biggest goal in life. And yes, we should pursue doing our best in our careers to honor God, provide for our family, be a blessing in the world. That is not a bad thing. But it is a bad thing when that becomes a bigger priority. And when that becomes more of our identity and more important to us than simply being a man who's pursuing God, who's pursuing building his house and helping his family if, he's, if you're married upon the, the rock of Jesus and pursuing that wisdom. So what's the priority in your heart? And more than that, what would your closest friend say is your biggest priority. And even more than that is what would God say is your biggest priority? Because sometimes we don't tell ourselves the truth. Can I just be honest? Sometimes we make excuses. Sometimes like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I got it together. And no, we're not. So where's your priority? Ladies, where's your priority in your life and in your world? What is most important to you? So that's the first thing. Second thing is, is if you're going through turbulence in your life, at some degree you need to stop and ask, say, God, is this a turbulence of my making or is it just bad stuff happening? If it's just bad stuff happening, then you ask for grace and you trust God and say, God, I'm, I've built my foundation as best I know and if there's some area where I need to build a little bit more to weather the storm, would you show that to me? And you pursue God and put your hope in that in a... The most amazing thing, and there's so much in this passage that I miss like every other week and you can't teach everything that's in it, but God Himself is the one who becomes our confidence. That's what verse uh, 26 says, that He Himself becomes our confidence. It's not the things around us, but Him. So 
But if you're experiencing turbulence in your life, and maybe there are some decisions that you have made that you've built your part of your life on things that were not from God, and you did make some decisions thinking that, I thought this was not going to be that big of a deal. I thought it wasn't that big of an issue. I didn't know. Then what you do if that's your case is you say, God, your first step is this, God, forgive me the day that I started and made that decision that I started building my house on that sand. Forgive me on that day. And God, would you restore me in my relationship with you? And God, this still hurts, and I don't know how I'm going to get through the storm, but I trust you, and would you help me through that? See, we want to be a church that recognizes all of us have built our, house, our whole house at times and part of our house on sand. And so we don't want to be a church that looks around like, yeah, it's awful to be you. Boy, sure, too bad you just didn't do what you should have done back then, you know. We don't want to sit, you know, with our noses in the air and look down at people around us. That's awful. It's not honoring to God. So we talk about these things so that we do grow, but as we do grow and build our house better, we turn around and help the next people and have mercy as they endure those kinds of things. And so what is your next step if there's turbulence in your life that you need to take this morning? And will you commit ultimately to pursue in your heart building your life upon this foundation? I don't care whether you are 6 or 66 or 106. We are called and challenged to continuously be building our life upon this foundation of, of wisdom that comes out of pursuing Jesus. We're about to hit in Proverbs to where every week's going to be a different topic and a different thing and a different issue. But underneath and underlying all of them is this foundation that we're pursuing God. So what's that next step commitment that you need to take? In the seat, if there's something that you need to feel like you need to talk to a pastor about, we've, we haven't done well with this, and we're going to try to do this a little bit better as pastors, but there's a connection card in the seat we usually use this part for like relatively new guests that just kind of want to get on our email list or want to be known. And it's a great way. I do my best to reach out to everybody that fills us out just to say, so glad you came, that kind of thing. But this is even for you old timers as well. If there's something that you want the pastors to pray for, we're the only ones that get these things, okay? So this is not church-wide prayer requests, that kind of thing. It's just for the pastors. If there's something you want us to pray for, just give us your name and write it on the back, and drop it in the offering box in the back. If there's something you want to talk to one of us about, maybe you are in a turbulence, in a difficult, in a messy situation that you'd like to talk through and help work through some of that and find some wisdom in your life, we'd be more than happy to talk with you or point you to somebody to help you with that, because we all need that. When your house is getting flooded, you need help. And we have all have had people that have done that for us, and so we want to turn and do that as well. Maybe you're, you're, you've been sitting listening and hearing about the gospel of Jesus and you want to take kind of that next step in your life spiritually. Put that on there as well and we will reach out to you. But just fill it out and just drop it in the box. We just want an easy, simple way that we can be a blessing and help, um, help you guys and together as a church grow in that. So regardless, if you don't have something you want to write down, that's fine. 
but just respond to whatever God has kind of been speaking to your heart about with that today. So I'm going to close this in prayer, and our team's going to come up and, uh, and lead us in our last song. So pray with me, would you? Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus. I thank you that he loves us. Thank you, Lord, that even though we mess up and all of us have built our life on sand, <laughs> well, Father, you forgive through your Son. And you know that, that every one of us messed this up. And Lord, you teach us grace and you teach us that, that you accept us based not on what we do, but on what Jesus did. But then when we surrender our life and receive Jesus, you teach us how to build our life on things that will last and to experience a life that it can endure some of the, just the hardest things in the world around us. Lord, help us to live that out, I pray. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.